Fire and the Flood Part 3 of the Fiends with Benefits series A Good Omens Potfic Written by Verdant Valpus And read by Literarian Chapter 3 The Lamb Summary Crawley has a bad day Forced to masquerade as an angel Miss out on dinner and then his most shameful secret gets discovered. It's enough to make a demon regret handing out apples. Round and round it went. The significant planet spinning around an insignificant star. Round and round they went, the agents of heaven and hell duking it out for humanity's soul and certainly not for any other reason. It certainly wasn't a matter of pride. Pride was a sin and Haziraphale was a capital A angel. It was simply his duty to smite evil and Crawley was evil. Simple, unquestionable logic. And it really was in Aziraphale's best interest to get on with said smiting quickly because the bloody snake had gotten quite mean over the years. Why, once Aziraphale had been sitting in the shade with a group of men, one of whom heaven suspected could be a prophet. The man had gone pale and pointed behind Aziraphale. The angel had barely a chance to turn his head before he heard the angry hiss and then the demon struck from the tree behind him, attaching himself to Aziraphale's cheek and pumping him full of venom. Up he went to heaven to be given the riot act once more. The next time he spotted Crawley, Aziraphale made sure to cut the demon down promptly. It wouldn't do to give him a chance to sneak. And on it went, four or five times over several centuries. The mortal bodies were relatively fragile, though not nearly as breakable as humans. But Aziraphale was beginning to find the discorporating tiresome. And sometimes it even hurt. The venom was the worst, but at least it gave Raphael something more to work with. Every time the lion-eared archangel tinkered with the leftover particles of Aziraphale's envenomed corporations, the closer he came to developing an immunity. This is what saved Aziraphale's job. Michael and Gabriel were getting quite fed up with Aziraphale's discorporations, even though the angel had managed to thwart Crawley several times more than he himself was. They just didn't understand how very quiet the demon could be. But there was Raphael, all fluffy pink curls and beaming smile and glowing freckles, heaping praise on Aziraphale for his sacrifice in the name of heavenly science. Wasn't he so brave to put himself at risk in the Lord's name? Wasn't he so strong to endure the hardships of this corporation in order to bring back vital information on the demon's main weapon? 
and Aziraphale would flush with embarrassment, and Michael and Gabriel would mutter some mild praise of their own and wander off. Raphael would wink and grin. Then they'd ask Aziraphale a million questions about his time on Earth and what medicines had yet been discovered and how were the humans learning to heal. And every time Crawley bit him, Aziraphale took a little longer to die. It wasn't all discorporations between himself and the demon, though. They had discovered banter. Aziraphale very much enjoyed banter. That's why it was better to discorporate the demon in battle rather than surprise. Aziraphale was a much better warrior than Crawley, so he could set the pace, turn it into a sort of dance. He'd prevent Crawley's retreat, dodge his wild attacks, and all the time they would have banter. Oh, he'd nearly forgotten how funny Crawley could be. His strange observations and clever wit. He was a terrible fighter, but he had a fascinating mind. Aziraphale was so desperate for someone like Crawley to talk to. Someone who actually understood how it all worked. It was such a shame they had to be enemies. But we are enemies, Aziraphale reminded himself every time he found Crawley's charm sinking under his skin. Crawley's charm was a product of his wiles, his ability to tempt. He was evil, irredeemable. Everything about him that made Aziraphale laugh or smile, or worse of all, miss the creature, it all had a malicious purpose. So as much as Aziraphale enjoyed the banter, he'd always have to end it at sword point. He couldn't risk Crawley walking away, only to later strike with his fangs from the shadows. And it went on like that. Round and round, a cycle of seasons and battles and sneak attacks and smiting. Aziraphale felt it slowing down, though. It gradually took longer for one of them to get around to killing the other. Perhaps they were both feeling the effects of attrition. They never seemed to be able to seize much ground from the other, despite all the trouble they went through to thwart one another. It was exhausting, and the downtime between discorporations did nothing to help Aziraphale's mood. He felt happiest when he was arguing with Crawley, and the demon seemed to enjoy it too. A ruse, no doubt. Or a challenge. It didn't matter much to Aziraphale, though. It was a respite from the boredom, and he knew better now than to mistake any goodness in his adversary. That remained true for a long time, until it didn't. Until the flood. Aziraphale let the plan slip during one of their battles. It wasn't as though Crawley could do anything to upset the Lord's plan, 
although a not insignificant part of Aziraphale might have hoped he could. Crawley's attack faltered at the news, and the demon looked so horrified that Aziraphale found himself unable to press his advantage. Pale yellow eyes peered at him with naked revulsion. The innocent, Crawley argued. We mustn't question the plan, Aziraphale replied. Can we? Is there another way? Oh, there must be another way. Can you find one, demon? You have freedom, I don't, and you're so crafty and clever and quick. Crawley only looked stricken. They both flinched when the first drops of rain fell. The sky was dark and spilled its contents in wet sheets. Aziraphale raised his wings to shelter them, unconsciously extending that shelter to his enemy, but Crawley refused it. What about the children? the demon asked, his voice barely a whisper above the rolling thunder. Aziraphale had no answer for him. Those yellow eyes narrowed in rage, tears spilling down golden cheeks. Crawley liked children. Perhaps they were easier to tempt than their parents. Perhaps the way he protected them and played with them and taught them interesting tricks was simply a means to some diabolical end. But in this moment, it was Aziraphale's side that was drowning them. Crawley had only taught them an easier way to catch fish and some colourful invectives to lob at the older kids. The water rose and Crawley left. Aziraphale didn't bother discorporating him. The water would likely do that for him soon enough and he just didn't have the heart for it. He wasn't sure he'd ever be able to manage it again. Moria, 2575 BC Crawley watched the men carry the lamb up the hill and followed at a safe distance. He flicked his tongue excitedly, inwardly licking his non-existent lips. Supper! The man, a devout idiot, was dutifully indoctrinating his idiot son on the art of wasting perfectly good food by sacrificing it to a god who doesn't eat. Crawley had long since given up shaking his head over it. Sacrifices were ridiculous, wasteful, theatre. It was just like heaven to demand these harmful demonstrations of fealty. And it was just like Crawley to eat those sacrificed offerings the second the humans turned away. It was only going to rot anyway. It wasn't like God was going to pop down with a bowl of mint jelly and have at it. Crawley might as well get something out of all this endless waiting. Four hundred years, 
400 years since the flood. The demon still had no idea what all that death and destruction was meant to accomplish. The world seemed much the same as it had before. Except there didn't seem to be any angels in it. He should have been glad of the last part. He had no idea what, if anything, he'd have to say to Aziraphale. The angel had at least provided some entertainment during the last millennium. He challenged Crawley, kept him sharp. And those few times that Crawley got the upper hand had been brilliant. He'd been awarded a chance to indulge in a guilty pleasure. A horrible guilty pleasure that he wouldn't ever tell anyone about. A shameful, disgusting, humiliating urge that made him feel sick to think about. And yet... No, it was moot anyway. No Aziraphale meant no dead Aziraphale, meaning no more opportunity for... for that. Better to focus on the here and now. The humans left the dead lamb on the rock and wandered down the mountain. Crawley shook the ennui from his scales and slid out of hiding, tasting fresh blood on the air. He wouldn't have to eat again for weeks. Aziraphale rolled his eyes as the snake gulped the lamb down. The grotesque display smacked of sacrilege, and the angel should probably put a stop to it, and to the demon doing it, but honestly, Aziraphale couldn't be bothered. There was no harm in letting Crawley eat the lamb. The sacrifice had still been made regardless, and it wasn't as though God were going to enjoy a nice roast with mint jelly. Aziraphale stifled a giggle at the thought and drifted further into hiding. He couldn't risk Crawley seeing him and doing something dramatic. Aziraphale was trying to maintain plausible deniability in case Gabriel asked why he wasn't smiting the serpent. The question had been asked a few times over the centuries since the flood. Aziraphale hadn't had to go upstairs for any other reason than the standard corporation recalls. Raphael had made a number of improvements over the last century. The new model was much comfier and didn't pinch his wings nearly as much. And the digestive tract had been improved too to accommodate Aziraphale's love of human food. He'd even brought some bread up for the archangels to sample, although Raphael was the only one who actually tried it. Anyway, the point was, Aziraphale had been going out of his way to avoid coming into conflict with Crawley for quite a long time, so he wasn't best pleased to find the serpent gobbling sacrifices on Mount Moria right before another test. It made his new and improved stomach hurt to contemplate how this hiccup might upset things. Should he take this opportunity to attack? 
ambush the demon while he snoozed off his lunch in the sun? Or should he warn Crawley away, make some threats and chase him off? At least Aziraphale knew the details of the test this time. Crawley seemed content to stay on the mountain, sleeping and eating. Perhaps if Aziraphale simply left him alone... The months had stretched on and Crawley was getting peckish. Where the heaven was Abraham and Isaac with his lamb? Crawley had been planning this meal out for weeks. He'd been planting on the south side of the mountain and had a nice patch of spearmint that would go nicely with the lamb. He'd even made a decent fire pit. He was planning on humaning up for this one, cooking the lamb properly and savouring it. It had been a while since he used his hands, and building and growing things gave him something to do between meals. Hell had been quiet for the last fifty years, so this is what Crawley was reduced to. Gardening. It was hard work and reminded him of Cain, which hurt his heart and made him smile at the same time. When the plants came up strong and green, Crawley felt a guiltless pride. When the plants came up weak and spotty, he screeched at them until they were strong and green. He felt even more pride then. He was very good at gardening. Still, he'd been craving meat, so when Abraham and Isaac finally showed up on the mound sans sheep, Crawley was more than a little grumpy about it. He shifted back into serpent form and followed up the hill, listening. I don't understand, father, Isaac said. Where's the lamb for the offering? Excellent question, kid. Crawley thought miserably, thinking about his mints. God himself will provide the lamb, my son, Abraham assured him, and Crawley snorted suspiciously. That didn't sound right. God wasn't really a provider so much as a creator and abandoner. Something hinky was afoot. He tasted the air sniffing for angels, but he could only smell the humans and the stink of fear and anguish. Abraham was definitely upset and trying to hide it. Something was very wrong. Sure enough, no sooner had the men reached the offering place when Abraham grabbed his son and wrestled him to the ground. Crawley froze in the underbrush, awash in dread. Of course Isaac would be the lamb. Of course God would demand a man kill his child. Of fucking course. And the idiot was so blinded by his faith he'd probably go through with it. Shits. Crawley watched helplessly as Isaac was bound and placed on the stone. He waited while Abraham prayed. 
He waited for God to call it off. He waited for Abraham to come to his senses. He waited until he couldn't wait anymore. No more children for you, Crawley hissed under his breath as Abraham rose unsteadily to his feet, tears flowing down his cheeks. The man raised his knife overhead. Isaac flinched. Oi, wait up! Crawley shouted. Abraham dropped the knife at once in relief, looking around for who had spoken. Figuring it probably wouldn't help his cause to show himself as a serpent, snakes had a rather poor reputation amongst the human for some reason. Crawley flowed forward into human form and stretched his wings out behind him. His long hair tumbled down his back in even waves, and he did his best to look mighty and angelic without getting close enough for the man to see his eyes. He really needed to learn how to disguise his eyes. Hey, yeah, uh, great job, Abraham. You were really gonna do it, huh? Just, just gonna kill your own son because you were told to by some celestial fuckwit. That's faith for you. That's just the kind of stupidity we angels like to see. Uh... Abraham looked alarmed and confused as he got to his knees in supplication at Crawley's presence. Thank you. The man bowed his head, but he also reached for the knife again, pain and fear shining in his dark eyes at the angel's harsh words. Crawley rolled his eyes and tried to control his temper as he continued in a milder tone. What I mean is, you don't have to kill your son, he declared firmly. It's enough to know that you were going to. You don't have to actually go through with it now. But the sacrifice, Abraham stammered, and Crawley sucked his teeth in frustration. These humans were stubborn. Usually Crawley liked to take his time, insinuate himself in their orbit, get into their heads. It was much harder to get compliance out of the blue like this. Fortunately, that's when Crawley tasted a familiar scent in the air and saw the tips of two horns behind a bush nearby. Goats, the demon blurted loudly, causing Abraham to nearly jump out of his skin. Crawley gestured at the bush and magically dragged the poor creature out into the clearing. There you go. The Lord was supposed to provide an offering, eh? This'll do. Thank you, lords, Abraham sobbed, bowing to the earth. He quickly slew the poor goat and carried it to the rock. Right, so, let your son go, Crawley prodded. He is not to be harmed now, or God will be really cross, and you... Crawley glared at Isaac. Don't be following your father up here again. Maybe you better do the offerings from now on, yeah? 
Crawley waited just until Isaac was free and then let himself vanish dramatically in a shower of flaming embers before silently sliding off into the deeper brush. He had no idea what the other side had been expecting to have happened on this mountain, but he didn't want to stick around and find out. Hopefully it was over and the angels would shrug this off without a lot of smiting. He returned to his camp, thinking about that goat and whether it would go as nicely with the mint as a lamb would. He was so absorbed in his menu planning, he didn't notice the scent of petrichor and lily of the valley until he slithered into the angel's sandal. Oh, fuck, he blessed, looking up into warm blue eyes and straw-colored hair. Now look, before you smite me, let me just say, your side are a bunch of child murderers and I was right to thwart you. Thwart me. <laughs> Aziraphale actually laughed. Crawley hissed petulantly, unsure what to make of this reaction. The angel was guffawing. A true belly laugh that had him nearly double over. For the life of him, Crawley had no idea what was so funny and he knew he should be using this opportunity to either bite the wanker or flee, but bless his curiosity. He had to know what the bloody joke was. <laughs> you, you silly snake. Aziraphale sighed finally when he'd calmed enough to speak. Huh. You didn't thwart our plan at all. Abraham passed the test. He was never meant to slay Isaac. I was supposed to stop the knife with a display of divine power and assure him his faith was enough. Aziraphale's eyes shone with mirth and Crawley felt a dawning horror crawl its way into his guts. You mean... <laughs> you did the Lord's work today, Crawley. <laughs> Almost as well as I would have done. <laughs> Aziraphale had been about to cast his miracle when Crawley's shout rang out from the bushes opposite him. At first, Aziraphale had been furious that Crawley had interrupted the test, but then Crawley appeared and he was... He was so beautiful. Perhaps it should have been an insult, a demon masquerading as an angel, but despite the rather condescending attitude, Crawley was doing a rather good job of fulfilling Aziraphale's mission. And he really was stunning. His hair shone like volcanic glass in the setting sun. His skin looked warm and soft. Even with his yellow eyes and dark robes, he looked every bit like an angel in this moment, and Haziraphale couldn't bring himself to be angry about it. Crawley was only doing what he thought was right, 
And in the end, Isaac's life was spared and Abraham had passed the test. An offering did still need to be made, though, so Aziraphale summoned the goat, as was the plan, and let Crawley bring it to Abraham. After the debacle with the flood, he felt like he owed the demon a win. Of course, all of that led to two intensely problematic realizations in a very short span of time. He mulled them over as he waited for Crawley at the demon's camp. One, believing that Crawley was doing what he thought was right meant that Haziraphel thought the demon capable of that arithmetic in the first place, let alone choosing to act on some moral imperative. Two, Aziraphale knew this about Crawley for some time and denied it to the point that now, after the flood, he felt some form of obligation towards his strangely moral enemy. It was all so confusing, and it really ought not to be. It was supposed to be simple. Everyone had told him it was simple. Everyone except Crawley, who had complained with him back in the garden about how much of a bloody mess everything was. How the rules seemed arbitrary and silly at times. How perhaps, despite the rebellion and everything afterwards, there could still be some common ground in this complex and staggeringly beautiful world. Heaven didn't understand. No one understood. Aziraphale needed to talk to Crawley. So he waited until the demon slithered out of hiding and bonked right into his foot. The poor thing looked so shocked to see him that Aziraphale found himself overcome with sudden affection. And then Crawley started spouting off angry words and Aziraphale wished he could refute them. But he couldn't. He understood why Crawley was angry. Why he would accuse heaven of murdering children. It wasn't the spin his side put on it, but it wasn't inaccurate either. He was about to risk a reprimand by agreeing with the demon when Crawley distracted him by arrogantly confessing to thwarting Aziraphale's plan and the angel wheezed a surprised laugh at the irony. It was as if some sort of dam had broken inside the angel. All at once, a thousand years and more's worth of stress and pain and regret spilled out of Aziraphale in peals of healing laughter. The more he laughed, the more shocked and confused Crawley looked, which in turn made Aziraphale laugh harder. Finally, when he was able to catch his breath, Aziraphale began to explain the true plan and why Crawley's action had been so humorous. The poor snake looked completely polaxed, which nearly set Aziraphale off on a fresh wave of laughter. It's not funny, Crawley hissed. 
How was I supposed to know you'd call it off? It's not like you have a good track record on that sort of thing. There it was. The great imbalance between them called into focus. The uncomfortable notion of Crawley doing good because Aziraphale was too afraid to. How Aziraphale had been wrong about him. Crawley, I'm sorry, my dear, I... Aziraphale's apology was cut short with a gasp of pain. He looked down at the demon to see him detach from the fresh bite on his ankle before vanishing into the bushes again. Wait! Aziraphale called out. I'm not... I... Aziraphale's eyes crossed as his vision blurred over. This horrid venom. Crawley, please, he called out again. He hadn't much time. He needed to tell him he was sorry for it all, that he regretted losing their friendship, that he missed him. Instead, the ground raced up and swallowed him, spinning Aziraphale into blackness. The angel hit the ground with a heavy thud. Crawley felt the impact from the safety of his den and quickly raced out again. There wasn't much time. The angel was dying and this was his chance to indulge in his secret shame. He found Aziraphale sprawled out where he'd bitten him, weak and nearly lifeless. Crawley quickly flowed into human form once more, looking around to make sure no one was watching before kneeling beside the angel's body. Once he was sure he was safely alone, Crawley lifted Aziraphale's arm and slid himself underneath it, curling up along the angel's side and breathing in his scent. Soon the angel's heart would stop, and shortly after that, the body would vanish and Crawley would be alone. But for now, for these precious few minutes, he could pretend. Miss you, he murmured into the angel's neck. Wish you didn't have to be such a bloody pillock all the time. Wish we could just have this, just a little longer but it wouldn't last. It never did. The moment always passed, the body vanished, the war started anew. So Crawley wriggled in closer to the remains of a long-lost friend and let the funny rumble fill his throat like it always did when he pretended like this. He'd never let the other demons hear it. The rumble was his secret, something only for him. And Aziraphale was the only one who brought it out of him. And he liked it. Bless it all, he liked the funny sound. It was a disgusting, weak, 
gentle part of him. A failing chink in his armored scales that reached out to soothe him when he was hurting the most. He battered it down in hell when the price of vulnerability was far too high. But up here it was different. Angels were supposed to protect the vulnerable. Aziraphale was the kindest of the angels. So every once in a while, for a few minutes, Crawley would pretend and the rumble would flow out of him and ease the ache in his hollow chest while he cuddled up to Aziraphale's warmth. His warmth... Wasn't the angel supposed to be cold by now? Shouldn't he have evaporated into a million little golden fireflies and drifted back up to heaven? The rumble stopped. Crawley's eyes snapped open. Wait, he muttered, confused. Aziraphale didn't feel well at all. His shoulder hurt and he was lying awkwardly. There was a pointy rock digging into his calf and his ankle was throbbing. He struggled to open his eyes, but his corporation didn't respond. He tried to move, to moan, to do anything at all, but his muscles were frozen stiff. He was paralyzed. This was terrible. This hadn't ever happened before. He'd always discorporated from the demon's venom before. Aziraphale tried not to panic, and his sluggish corporation was happy to comply. Unable to do anything else, Aziraphale's brain simply sharpened his senses, and unable to properly panic, those senses took stock of the situation. He was uncomfortable and hurting from the bite, but he didn't seem to be in imminent danger. Now that he was thinking better, he remembered Raphael crowing about this corporation's improved resistance to the venom. They'd grudgingly admitted their inability to completely neutralize the poison, but they were confident Aziraphale's grace as a principality would now be able to fight off the worst of the effects. So he hadn't discorporated. He was paralyzed and at Crawley's mercy instead. Fantastic improvement, that! He'd roll his eyes if he weren't paralyzed. This begged the question, where was Crawley? And that led to further questions. Who was snuggled into his chest and what was that purring sound? Aziraphale felt his pulse quicken finally at the prospect of some great wildcat having come upon his body. It was one thing to be discorporated by an enemy agent. It would be another altogether to be eaten by wildlife. He winced at another stab of pain from his ankle, 
and upon noticing that his facial muscles had just moved, he tried opening his eyes with limited success. His vision cleared after several slow blinks, and Haziraphel found himself in Crawley's arms, the demon's face pressed into his throne. This didn't make any sense, so Aziraphale squeezed his eyes shut and opened them again, in hopes of shaking off whatever dream this was. Because demons didn't cuddle, did they? They especially didn't cuddle while making the sweetest, most adorable purring sound Aziraphale had ever heard. Did they? Unable to do much else, Aziraphale remained still as his corporation continued to burn off the residual venom and free his muscles of their paralysis. He focused on Crawley's purr while he recovered, wondering what the point of it was. How could the purr be used for evil? Everything demons did had an evil purpose didn't it? Except no, Aziraphale had already decided that Crawley had goodness in him, despite what he'd been told by head office. And Aziraphale had already decided he needed to talk to Crawley about all this. Find out how much he'd been wrong about. He really, really wanted to know more about this wonderful purr and why Crawley was snuggled against his chest, pressing his soft lips against Aziraphale's throat. And why was that making his corporation feel so funny? Why was there a heat now pooling deep between his hips? Suddenly, Aziraphale felt feverish. Was this a side effect of the venom? Blast it! He had so many questions, and now it seemed Crawley was becoming aware that he was awake and the demon was tensing up. Would he bolt? Yes! Crawley was definitely about to make a break for it. The rumbling purr had stopped, and every muscle in the demon's long body had gone rip-caught torch. Wait, the demon muttered, peeling his face away from Aziraphale's chest. Crawley exploded into movement, throwing himself away from the angel, and Aziraphale immediately followed, snatching Crawley's wrist and rolling on top of him, pinning the demon with his superior strength and weight. Crawley hissed and snapped his sharp teeth. Listen, Aziraphale begged. Please, dear boy, please listen. Why should I? Crawley snarled. You never bloody listen to me. I know. You're right. Aziraphale choked, feeling tears well in his eyes. His heart ached for how badly he'd acted in the past. I'm so very sorry, my dear. 
Crawley stopped struggling and stared up at him in confusion. Aziraphale repeated his apology over and over again as he sat back onto his rump and pulled the demon up onto his lap, clutching him in a tight embrace. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Angel! Crawley squeaked. Angel, you didn't die. No, Aziraphale sniffed. I'm resistant to your venom now, it seems. Oh. Crawley frowned thoughtfully. Then his cheeks pinkened. Um, did you, uh, hear me say anything? Say? Aziraphale murmured, confused. Had Crawley been speaking to him? Why would you speak to me if you thought I was dead? Um, Crawley stalled. For that matter, why were you cuddling me if you believed I was dead? Aziraphale was becoming increasingly confused by the second. Crawley flushed crimson and tried to pull away. I didn't. Crawley squawked in indignation, but that had been a clear lie. You were, Aziraphale challenged. You were tucked up at my side with your face. Shut it, Crawley hissed. And you were purring, Aziraphale exclaimed brightly, smiling at the memory. Crawley went very still, yellow eyes wide in a very pink face. Oh, don't be embarrassed, dear. It must have been the sweetest thing I've ever... Crawley bit him. Aziraphale stared at him. Crawley stared back at him with wary eyes, his teeth still buried in the angel's hand. Why would you... Aziraphale began, his joy souring at once at the telltale wave of dizziness. Relax, Crawley drawled. Doesn't kill you now, remember? I only wish to talk, Aziraphale complained, watching the demon wriggle free of his weakening grasp. I missed you. Crawley sat with him, looking as miserable as Aziraphale felt, which didn't seem remotely fair considering who had just bitten whom. Aziraphale woke up some time later under a blanket and next to a crackling campfire. A cup of watered wine rested nearby like a silent apology, but Crawley was gone.